Good morning, Grizzlies fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast and the Locked On Grizzlies YouTube channel, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, and wherever you're watching. Certainly hope you're having a terrific start to your Thursday. Tonight, the Grizzlies play their second preseason game. They're going to Charlotte. John Morant and LaMelo Ball on the same court, and a lot of that is inspiring today's show. Who are my top 10 point guards under the age of 25 in the NBA right now? How Jaw and LaMelo compare pretty favorably in terms of their impact in the NBA and looking at a bit of a player preview for Kyle Anderson all on today's show. Let's get it going here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So again, hope that you all are having a great start to your day. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC on Twitter right here. You can find it right here. You can find the podcast wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. The Odyssey app, that's where we will be, obviously here on YouTube as well. My name's Sean Coleman. If you're a new listener or new viewer for the show, welcome. If you've been listening to the show for a while, thank you for your support. I'm a credential media member with the Grizzlies, starting my fourth season covering the Grizzlies over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Great site. Gives you great content on the Grizzlies all the time. And of course, your host here at Locked Up Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every single day. And make sure when you listen to the podcast, listen, review, and subscribe. And here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button below. Let's us know you enjoyed the show. Makes the show available for others who enjoy great Grizzlies content that we deliver here every day on Locked on Grizzlies. And it makes just the overall experience for the show as good as possible. Also want to remind you, Thank you for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day, but we certainly want to encourage that for your second listen of the day, check out the Locked on NBA podcast. Obviously, every single day, just like Locked on Grizzlies, we've got you covered here with the latest around the NBA, both through podcast and YouTube form. Check out the Locked on NBA podcast today for, for the latest around the league from all the preseason action going on, as well as the latest storylines heading into the regular season. But a really fun episode today, so let's get right into it. So John Morant visiting LaMelo Ball in Charlotte. There's a few fun narratives here. Obviously, two of the game's best young point guard talents meeting is always a great thing. But Ja returning to the NBA city that's closest to his hometown. You know, when Ja won his Rookie of the Year award back in September of 2020, he mentioned that the game that stood out the most was his return to Charlotte. For one, that was his first game winner. You know, he went up against three Hornets uh, and made a, a big game winner to deliver a victory for the Grizzlies, you know, in his first 10 games in the NBA. But for another, it was because he was returning to his hometown. But the other thing, of course, is the matchup with LaMelo Ball. And I know that Jaw's most important thing is, number one, winning. Number two, performing well for his teammates, getting his teammates involved. But you know also there's always a little bit more motivation. Not that Jaw necessarily needs it, but there's just naturally more motivation when you're going up against one of the more talented peers in the league at your position. And you certainly will be excited to see that tonight. But with that in mind, and we'll get into Jaw and LaMelo, kind of how they have compared favorably in terms of their impacts on their teams and the league in their first years. I wanted to expand it out a little bit for a fun conversation. We've had our top 100 in the league, top 25 under 25. I wanted to take a crack at it myself. Wanted to you know, reveal my top 10 point guards under the, the age of 25 in the league 
right now. Now, this is a subjective list. Don't mean to get too deep as to, you know, are they truly a point guard or, you know, are, are they at their best, you know, in certain, you know, schemes and strategies and all that different stuff. The general criteria that I used is, you know, their overall individual success, their individual production. Do they elevate their rosters? And have they elevated their rosters to the point where they exceed expectations? And then when they get on the biggest stage, high leverage situations, the playoffs, playing games, so on and so forth, how have they performed? And here's the list that I came up with. They get very subjective, and I'll also give some caveats at the very end. But here are my top 10 point guards under the age of 25 in the league. And the main criteria beyond individual production, elevating rosters, and success on you know the biggest stages – this is my ranking based off the preference I would have. If I was starting a franchise today, this is the preferred order of point guards I would go with. Number one's Luka Doncic. Obviously, one of the most historic starts to a career in NBA history. Probably the most historic start we've seen since LeBron James. I don't think anybody's going to sit there and debate that. Number two, and I've also got it tiered, so he's in his own tier. Number two in his own tier is Trey Young. Now, you've heard me talk about it here before. I've talked about it many other places. I feel I could put an argument together to where I would show I would prefer Jaw over Trey long term. I do think that Jaw is the better fit for raising the overall ability of a roster to be at a championship level than Trey does. I, I just think that that's probably biased just as much as it is actual proof. But it's hard to deny that what Trey did last year with a young team, how he performed in the playoffs, he answered a lot of narratives in a very positive way. I know that I'm talking more about the future than right now, but I also want to respect the right now. So I'll put Trey at number two after Luka. At number three, it's Jaw. And the reason why that is is because I feel that while he's not done it to the level of Luka or Trey individually, he's shown that he has more than enough individual production to be on the level of anybody not named Trey or Luka. He's exceeded expectations to a level that very few have no other than Trey and Luka. And I also feel that him performing like he did in the playoffs is something only Luka and Trey have done as well. So I'm not saying that Jaw is on the level of Trey or, or Luka, obviously. But I am saying that if there's one guy in this group of the point guards under 25 in the league that should be considered closest, it's Jaw, in my opinion. Again, a bit of bias. But number three is Jaw. Number four, Jamal Murray. Number five, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And number six is LaMelo Ball. Now, Jamal and Shea are kind of in the same tier because of what they've proven so far at, in their careers. I know they're a bit older than some of these other players. What they've proven so far, their two-way ability, and the fact that, you know, for Jamal, he's shown he can certainly perform in the playoffs. Shea, obviously, answers a lot of the criteria that I'm mentioning. We'll see what he can do over a full season, but it's hard to deny that the overall value of a player, Shea is one of the most valuable players on this list. So, so far, we've got Luka at one, Trey at two, Jaw at three, Jamal Murray at four, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at five, and at number six, LaMelo Ball. And number seven, I have De'Aaron Fox. Now, individual production-wise last year, it's hard to argue that De'Aaron Fox, many are above De'Aaron Fox in that scenario. You can make a case he was the third most productive player on this list that I'm giving out last year. But four years into his career, has not really shown that capability yet, in my opinion, of elevating the roster to exceed expectations like younger players above him have done. And I get that it's a bad situation. If there's one of the worst situations to do that in the league, it's Sacramento. 
But I do feel that the talents I've listed above him, like John LaMelo and others, I do feel they have more potential to elevate a roster, not only to get to the playoffs, but once they get to the playoffs, than De'Aaron Fox does. And so it's not a list right now. It's based off who I would prefer moving forward, and De'Aaron Fox is number seven. And then at number eight, it's Darius Garland, very productive year last year. Number nine, Lonzo Ball, a very steady presence, maybe not pure point guard skills to the level of others, but a good, you know, 3 and D type player. And then Tyrese Halliburton, obviously being the offensive dynamo that he was last year. So my top 10 for right now, in terms of my preference moving forward, are Luka at one, Trey at two, Jaw at three. You've got uh, uh, Jamal Murray at four, SGA at five, LaMelo at six, followed by De'Aaron Fox at seven, Darius Garland at eight, and number nine, you have <laughs> you have Lonzo Ball. Forgive me, my memory isn't what it used to be. And then um, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Luca, Trey, Jaw, Jamal Murray, SGA, Lamelo, De'Aaron Fox, Darius Garland, Lonzo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. There we go. Now, there's a few other caveats that I want to throw out there. For instance, in that three through six area, you may be able to say it's interchangeable. I do think Jaw is closer to Trey than I think he is Jamal and SGA moving forward. But I will admit. The person that could rise the most on this list is LaMelo Ball. If he could sustain his shooting, if he could show he could take over a game as a scorer, if he shows that he could lead Charlotte to the playoffs this year, like Trey and Luka and Jaw have done in their second or third year, he's right up there on their level, in my opinion. So he could be the highest riser. I will say that I did not include any rookies on this because I do feel that a few rookies' overall roles are to be determined. If Cade Cunningham were to play a role similar to what Luka plays in Dallas for the Pistons, I'll put him at number seven right now, behind LaMelo, but in front of De'Aaron Fox. I would bet on Cade Cunningham's talent being more significant to a sustainable winner than Fox's moving forward. And I'll also say that I'll put Jalen Suggs right behind Fox. I would probably take Suggs overall, if he turns out to be a primary point guard, I would take him his overall value over a Garland or a Ball or a Halliburton. So, at the end of the day, there are some caveats there, but in terms of my preference for which point guard, the, the top 10 point guards under the age of 25 in the league right now, who would I who I would prefer? Luka 1, Trey 2, Jaw 3, Jamal Murray 4, SGA 5, LaMelo Ball 6, De'Aaron Fox 7, number 8, Darius Garland, number 9, Lonzo Ball, and number 10, Tyrese Halliburton. Do feel that Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs, if Suggs were to uh, you know, be a point guard, they could be on that list a year from now. But overall, I feel confident in that list. I feel confident that, yes, some players may be ranked higher than others, and it may surprise many because a player like Jaw or a player like LaMelo wasn't on the individual level that De'Aaron Fox was last year. But the fact that Fox is older, and I do feel that at you know, a much younger age, LaMelo, and at a younger age, Jaw, have the overall capabilities to elevate the rosters more. That's why I rank them higher. So again, this is subjective. And the great thing about these lists is that many different people are going to have many different opinions. That's what makes these conversations, these top 10 lists enjoyable. But again, my top 10 25 point guards are my top 10 point guards under the age of 25 in terms of the preference I would have for them moving forward. Luca Trey Jaw. Jamal Murray, SGA, LaMelo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Darius Garland, Lonzo Ball, and Tyrese Halliburton. Hey, let me know what you think in the comments below. That's the point of having this conversation. It's to have a conversation. I certainly would enjoy 
your feedback, obviously. Listen, while we're ranking the top 10 point guards under the age of 25, there may be many different lists. You may have many different people who would be at number two, number three, or number four. But there's no denying right now that when it comes to the best way for you to guard against excessive sweating while hot temperatures are still out there is sweat block because it's the number one seller in the antiperspirant category at Amazon.com. It also is doctor created and doctor recommended. Comes with a dry shirt guarantee. If it doesn't keep you dry, it lasts up to seven days. But if it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's been tested on the Rachel Ray Show, a top seller on Amazon, as I just mentioned, over 13,000 reviews. It should be a part of your toiletry bag and should be a reason why you can enjoy the, the warm weather with confidence again. You can find sweat block wipes at Amazon. You can find it at CVS. But if you go to sweatblock.com right now, you put in the promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order of Sweatblock. Make Sweatblock a part of your daily routine and get out and enjoy the warm weather once again with confidence. So we certainly want to thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies the first listen of the day. But we also want to remind you that there's Locked On Bets out there and also the Locked On NFL and College Football Podcast Networks as well. For Locked On Bets, if you enjoy wagering and betting on football, Check out the picks of the day with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. But if you're a fan of college football and pro football, after you've listened to your favorite episode when it comes to the Grizzlies, listen to the Locked On podcast show for your favorite NFL team or college team. All that's available to be your second, third, fourth listen of the day when it comes to, when it comes to the Locked On podcast network, either via podcast or or we're having our growing podcast network here on YouTube, you likely can find your favorite show there as well when it comes to your favorite college or pro football team. So we're talking about the top 10 point guards under the age of 25 in the NBA. And, you know, I mentioned several of them, but as far as tonight goes, it gets really exciting because you've got John Morant and you've got LaMelo Ball on the court together. And listen, while LaMelo Ball is in the Eastern Conference with Charlotte, Jaw is in the Western Conference with the Grizzlies, we don't get this matchup as much as we'd like. You know, I've said it before, I really do wish that they would redo the overall conference alignment when it came to the NBA, because it would be so much fun here in the South with how you have these franchises set up. LaMelo in Charlotte, Trey in the young core in Atlanta, John the young core in Memphis, Zion in New Orleans, Jalen Suggs and others trying to revitalize, uh, you know, the situation down in Orlando. Regionally, there's so much excitement that's here with the young cores that are in the South. If they were able to play each other, you know, three or four times a year, it would be a lot of fun. But it just means that when we get these opportunities, we need to take full advantage of it. John ja ja Morant and LaMelo Ball, they have their similarities and they have their differences. But one thing that I do think stands out about Jaw and LaMelo turning into significant cornerstones of this new generation of point guards that's come into the league over the past three to four years that will eventually take over the league, you know, after the golden generation of point guards, you know, Steph and, you know, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Damian Lillard, Mike Conley, all those guys are still among the best point guards in the league. That will be the case for a few more years, but they're likely on their way out over the next five to seven years. And that's when this new generation of point guards will be entering their prime, obviously led right now by Luca and Trey. But I think besides Luca and Trey, if there's any two point guards in the NBA right now under the age of 25 that have the level to reach Luca and Trey's level at some point in time in their careers, it's Jaw and LaMelo. But there's also a separation 
that separates John Lamello versus even Trey and Luca. When it comes to the first year impact that Jaw and LaMelo made, not individually, but in terms of stepping up as being the main engine or even the main guy in you in, in creating an immediate and significant turnaround for those t- for their team's fortune, LaMelo Ball last year and Jaw Morant the year before. None of the peers that I mentioned really have done the same thing. Luca didn't do it in his first year. Trey didn't do it in his first year. That's not meant to be an insult. It's just an observation. It's just the truth. None of those point guards that I mentioned in the first segment have really made the immediate and significant impact of helping their franchise turn around in a significant fashion like LaMelo and Jaw did. LaMelo last year was a big reason why, though he was out with an injury for a significant portion of the year, he was a big reason why the Charlotte Hornets were able to get back into the playoff conversation. And though they didn't make it, they were at least there, and they could be there again this year. Jaw has done the same thing with the Grizzlies in his first two seasons. He had them right on the cusp of the playoffs before the season was suspended in 1920, and the 1920 season then obviously led them there last year. And it's awesome the way that they do it. Ultimate playmakers, unbelievable smooth athletes who are so awesome to watch, so much fun to watch with their creativity, with their style of play, with their playmaking, superstar type personas. I don't consider either to be a, a negative type of persona, but there's just so much confidence. There's that there's that level of confidence and that level of desire to always be the best that eat the best versions of themselves at all times that each has that makes them stand out. You know, stand away, stand aside from others. It seems to be that superstar persona that defines the best players in the league. It seems to be there with John Lamello, maybe a bit more than it is with others. But it's the fact that you're combining the initial impact that they made, both of their styles of play in terms of what they can do individually, but also elevating the rosters that they're a part of, and their superstar personas, superstar personas, the other things that the other thing that both LaMelo and Jaw did was the reinvigoration that they brought to the Charlotte Hornets and the Memphis Grizzlies, respectively. For LaMelo, this version of the Charlotte Hornets, yeah, they'd had Kimball Walker, but they never had had the type of superstar persona mixed with the overall talent that LaMelo has. They didn't have that before he fell into his in their lap in the 2020 draft. The Grizzlies have never had an individual type of superstar persona and natural talent until they got John Morant by being lucky with the ping pong balls in 2019. So sure, luck had a lot to do with it, but both Charlotte and Memphis were competent enough to take Jaw and LaMelo when they were there. Now, individually, their games are a bit different. Yes, they're very good playmakers. I do think that Jaw has a bit higher ability to act as a takeover scorer, to get buckets when he needs to, to be an elite scorer. LaMelo may may eventually prove to be that, but I also think that if LaMelo's shooting sustains and he starts to show he can make value defensively with his length and his ability to create steals, sure, you could see LaMelo potentially evolving into a more valuable type of player than jaw. So they're going to have different ways in which they're going to find success. And that's fine. 
Whoever you would choose for the future, that's your prerogative. That's why it's subjective. A case can easily be made for either player to be your preference in terms of who, who's a better point guard for the future or more talented or more impactful. Whatever it may be, a case can easily be made for one or the other. But the thing that I'm getting at is, is the fact that a market like Charlotte and a market like Memphis, two franchises who clearly were in need of a superstar franchise altering for the better type of personality, both Memphis with Jaw and Charlotte with the Lamello have gained that over the past two years. And it's great to see the initial success, the overall change in the outlook of both franchises, how both franchises have have off of landing LaMelo for Charlotte and landing a jaw for Memphis, how they've turned that into creating two of the more intriguing young cores in the NBA. It's very exciting to see. So I'm not saying that LaMelo or jaw are on Luca or Trey's level as of yet. I'm just saying that there's a lot of similarities in terms of the immediate impact that they made turning their franchises around, how they do it in terms of elevating the rosters around them and how they're likely only going to get better. That is what is so intriguing and what's so exciting about the similarities between John Morant and LaMelo Ball. We'll see eventually who may become the you know more you know acknowledged player or accomplished player in time. But the main thing is it's just so exciting to see that even after Luca and Trey in those top tiers, you come back with talents like John Morant and LaMelo Ball in markets that you know are going to appreciate them and support them to the fullest extent. It's great situations to not only have Ja and LaMelo have so much of their careers in front of them, but also be in the markets that they are to make smaller markets in the NBA more relevant, obviously, moving forward. While, while time will only tell how successful both Jaw and LaMelo will be, you certainly can't deny that they've gotten off to some great starts. But I'll tell you this, the Grizzlies want to get off to a great start their season this year, and it looks like that one of the decisions they may be trending towards is a way to get off to that great start is to make their bench as productive as possible, which potentially means Kyle Anderson stepping in as a six-man. We'll look at that. Talked about John LaMelo a lot. We'll talk about them more tomorrow after the game, but obviously Kyle Anderson's player preview. What role does he have on this team this season? We'll discuss that in just a moment. But before we do that, listen, we're sitting here ranking these top 10 point guards under 25, and you may have your preference as to who number three, who number four, who number five, it's all that different stuff. But I can tell you this, when it comes to ranking options when it, for built bars, the best tasting protein bar out there on the market, it may not be necessary because of the over 18 different flavors you can choose from at built.com. You legitimately can't go wrong with any of them. You may prefer one over the other, but they're all tasty, and it gives you the ability to have variety. Have it in the morning for breakfast, have it in the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to enjoy Built Bar, you're going to make it a better, you're going to make your day better. Number one, it's going to give you energy, it's going to be healthy, and it's going to taste great. If you go to Built.com right now, you put in the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Make sure you check out Built.com today. Choose your favorite flavors and put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order of Built Bar from Built.com. The other thing I can tell you is this, is while it is the preseason, the NBA season is right around the corner. The football season has already arrived, and as we all know, the baseball playoff season is here. So many fun things on the calendar right now to bet and wager on if that's what you enjoy to do. And the number one place to do that is betonline.ag. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, 
BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Visit BetOnline.ag today. On tomorrow's episode of the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast, we'll relook at the preseason game between the Hornets and the Grizzlies. Really excited to see what's going on with obviously Lamelo and Ja being on the court. Can the Grizzlies this time, first of all, play a full four quarters? But also, how good do they look? How do the rotations? All that different stuff we'll discuss. Plus, player preview series continues on this time, looking at Dylan Brooks, perhaps the third most important talent on the roster after Jaw and Jaron for this season, but not only this season moving forward, we'll look at the player preview for Dylan Brooks as well. Now, the thing that I'll say is this, is speaking of player preview, it seems pretty easy to identify Kyle Anderson as being one of the biggest reasons why the Grizzlies had the success that they had last season. And also, one of the biggest certainties that you have on this roster, you know who Kyle Anderson is. You know that he is a player that is not going to give you so much scoring impact, but can elevate that part of his game if he needs to, especially with his improving in shooting last year. But with Kyle Anderson, it's the intelligence, it's the instincts, it's the facilitation at times, the rebounding at times, the blocks, the steals, the defensive impact. So many different ways in which Kyle Anderson can impact the game. A lot of times it's best in a complementary role instead of as a, as a main role, but that certainly is a level that he feels well for a team with playoff aspirations. But what was most interesting about the starting lineup on Tuesday evening was the fact that it was Bain and DeAnthony Melton starting with Jaw, Jaron, and Steven Adams. And with Dylan out, the fact that Kyle Anderson was not in the starting lineup, that gives a bit of a nudge, a bit of a hint that perhaps the idea for Taylor Jenkins is to start either Bain or Melton with Jaw, Dylan, Jaron, and Steven Adams to start the season, which of course would put Kyle Anderson in a sixth man role. Now, last year, Kyle Anderson did start. The starting lineup was Jaw, Dylan, Kyle, and Jaron once he returned, along with Jonas Valanciunas. But as I mentioned with Melton and Bain, uh, Coach Taylor Jenkins, number one, puts a high preference on shooting. Number two, he has proof that when the Grizzlies get off to that hot start shooting, when they shoot the ball well to start games, that puts them in a better position to win. So when it comes to the Grizzlies' overall lineups between Jaw, and Jaron at the four and Steven Adams at the five to start the game, seems like that Taylor Jenkins really wants to prefer shooting once again. And it's hard to argue against the fact that when you look at the four players of Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, and Kyle Anderson, Kyle Anderson is fourth on that list when it comes to shooting, even though he improved his shooting last season. However, while his shooting did improve, and I do feel there is a significant difference in the shooter Kyle is now versus who he was a year ago before the bubble started, there also is indication that he may not be able to shoot at the level that he did in the first half of last year. He certainly could, but is it likely? I think that is less of a certainty than you could say Desmond Bain or Dylan Brooks or DeAnthony Melton will be able to sustain their success. The shooting success that Melton, Bain, and Dylan Brooks had last year, I think it's going to be easier for them to sustain it 
than it is Kyle Anderson. And last year proved that in the first half of the season, Kyle Anderson shot 37.4% on catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities. Overall, in catch-and-shoot opportunities, he had a 56% effective field goal rating, one of the best on the team. In the second half of the season, his catch-and-shoot production from three dropped down to 31.3% and 48.7% effective field goal percentage, much closer to his career norms. I do think that overall, Kyle Anderson could be a 35% or so three-point shooter. You probably want him mostly shooting in the corner or as a catch-and-shoot option where he has plenty of space. And Just with Kyle taking a bit slower of a time frame to load, you want for him to have the space that he needs to shoot the ball. And with his best position being at the four and Taylor Jenkins liking to plant the four or fives on the, on the court in the corners as three-point options, Kyle Anderson fits that perfectly. He just simply fits that perfectly coming off the bench with Jaron starting at the four and Steven Adams at the five. But the other aspect of Kyle Anderson coming off the bench, despite the fact that he plays best at the four and that's where Jaron plays, is the impact Kyle can have on the bench last year. We know how great Tyus Jones is as a facilitator, as being the floor general for the second unit. But beyond that, Tyus Jones struggled last year, even to the point of for a week, the Grizzlies entertained the idea of Justice Winslow playing the point or the backup point guard with Tyus out of the rotation. We have seen at the start of games, we saw it towards the end of last year. We even saw it in the playoffs. Kyle Anderson was the guy when the Grizzlies bench was struggling at the end of last year, heading into the playoffs, you know, to a level we had not seen it under Taylor Jenkins. It was Kyle Anderson who was staggered. He was the one that came off the court earliest with Melton or Bain or Grayson Allen coming in. And then Kyle Anderson would come back on the court as being the starter that would play with the bench unit. The reason why is because of all the things that he does well. Yes, he may not excel at any one thing, but the fact that he adds positive value in so many different areas, it was more beneficial to have him do that with the bench players than it was with the starters. And because of that preference, because of that trust that Taylor Jenkins has in Kyle Anderson to have that impact on the bench, and because of the preference Taylor Jenkins wants to have in the starting lineup when it comes to shooting, that's why I think it makes sense for Kyle Anderson to come off the bench. And at the end of the day, his his actual position probably means a little bit less as talent goes down with bench units in the game. So Kyle's ability to facilitate, his ability to, to be a shooting option, his ability to defend, all those things really stand out more when he's playing against other bench units than he is necessarily against other starters. And the thing is, you can use him either or. The idea of the starters with the bench, with Kyle Anderson coming off the bench, just for the sake, sake of argument, we'll say that Bain's starting. Jaw, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jared Jackson Jr., Steven Adams in the starting lineup. And then Tyus, Anthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, Xavier Tillman, and Brandon Clark being your, your second unit. At the end of the day, I don't think you're ever going to see that second unit, Tyus, Melt, Kyle, Tillman, and Clark. I don't think you're going to see many minutes of that unit itself, all five of those players playing together. You're going to see different variations of starters and bench players based off matchups. And Kyle is certainly someone that you can adapt well in many different matchups. For instance, I do feel that even though he nor D'Anthony Melton may be starting to at least start the season, 
The Grizzlies' best closing lineup is Jaw, Melton, Dylan, Kyle, and Jaron. The defensive upside is hard to match with any other lineup. You've got shooters all around Jaw, very smart players, very impactful players. So there still is clearly a significant role for Kyle Anderson on this team, even if he doesn't start. The point, though, is, is to create the best advantage with him. And if Taylor Jenkins prefers shooting in the starting lineup and he wants to elevate the overall play of his bench, why not put Kyle in a position to where he could do all these things? His overall contributions across the board, helping to boost the productivity of the bench. He could be a shooter. He could be a facilitator to support Melton and Tyus with their shooting. He also has good chemistry as a facilitator with the other bigs on the roster. There's a lot of different things. A veteran jack-of-all-trades, if you will, with Kyle Anderson, that even though he may not be in the starting lineup, like I mentioned with DeAnthony Melton yesterday, even though Kyle Anderson may not be in the starting lineup, that doesn't mean he won't be in a featured role. It just means that he could be featured in a more advantageous role more frequently coming off the bench than starting. And at the end of the day, it's certainly going to be an interesting season with Kyle because what happens at the end of this season when his contract with the Grizzlies are up? You certainly feel that he could be um, someone that the Grizzlies could definitely look to extend, but you also could certainly see him being someone that the Grizzlies feel may not have a long-term place with the Grizzlies in terms of their future. It'll be interesting to see how it develops, but at the end of the day, at least to start things, it seems Taylor Jenkins and the coaching staff feel that Kyle Anderson is at his most advantageous. He's creating his most benefit by, by supporting the bench early in the game and then potentially being in that closing lineup or playing a big role for the Grizzlies in high leverage and closing situations. This is the great thing about depth. You can use very good players in many different ways. And with DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson to support John uh, Dylan and Jaron, that's a great position to be in that hopefully will lead to great things once again for the Grizzlies this season. This has been a lot of fun. You know, I know people have different opinions when it comes to this. I know that people may be absolute on the rankings. I think it's a bit more subjective than that. Staying a bit more general, just fun to talk about the young talent that's in the NBA and where talent that we cheer for ranks among those players. Whatever opinion you have of Jaw, Lamelo, and others, that's fine. It's just enjoyable to see this much talent not only be in the NBA currently, but with but their best days well ahead of them moving forward. So hope you enjoyed John Morant and LaMelo Ball tonight as the Grizzlies visit the Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow to discuss all the great reaction to the show. Don't forget you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Don't forget to, get, forget to hit subscribe below in the comments. Let me know what your favorite top 10 point guards under 25 are and where you think my list may be wrong or not. I'll be glad to interact and react to you. But at the end of the day, just hit that subscribe button, letting us know you enjoyed the show and allowing for others to enjoy it as well. We'll be back tomorrow with reactions to the Grizzlies' second preseason game as well as the player preview for Dylan Brooks. And don't forget, Locked on Grizzlies, thank you for making it your first listen of the day. But fantasy basketball is right here. You may be having fantasy basketball drafts right now. Why not trust the number one source in fantasy basketball, Josh Lloyd, host of the number one fantasy basketball show in the world. Check him out as your second listen of the day on the Locked On Podcast Network, either where podcasts are available 
or on YouTube as well. It's been a lot of fun. Have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight. And we'll end the week, end the week with you tomorrow here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.